Hello and welcome to Neurospicy. I'm your host, Dr. Karen McLennan, a research psychologist specialising in neurodiversity. On this podcast, I'll be chatting with fantastic guests about their life and experiences of being neurodivergent or their work in the realm of neurodiversity. So joining me today is Zoe Jane Littlewood. Hello, Zoe, and thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, So before we kind of get into any conversations, uh, can you please start by introducing yourself and your link to neurodiversity? Yeah, of course. So my name's Zoe and I'm a proud dyslexic individual. So automatically there is my link. I am a, a proud ND person. And I was actually quite fortunate that I was, I wouldn't say diagnosed, but I had a screening for dyslexia in year six. So I've always known I was dyslexic, which made life very easy in a sense where you know why you struggle with things. So you kind of just go through life like, cool, I'm dyslexic. I don't want to hear it. Granted, I had no idea what it was back then, but I've at least known. And that kind of sparked the journey from the get go, wanting to figure out what is dyslexia? Like, why am I the way I am? So that's kind of my link to neurodiversity. That's fantastic. It's quite amazing as well that you did get uh, like it's it picked up so early as well because I know was, that isn't that common. <laughs> it was a fight like just hearing you say it, I'm like yes like I'm so proud but it is frustratingly a fight like I had a supply teacher and it was on a whim. First things first why do we have supply teachers in year six? I was taking sats like stress but this supply teacher came in and she just noticed something wasn't quite right. So she was asking me about my spelling and my reading. And then she was like, oh, it sounds like you could be dyslexic. So it kind of just came on a whim, really. But I do have a mom who's dyslexic. So knowing that it runs in families, it did all start to make sense. Mm. But it was definitely difficult because my mom's been saying for ages, listen, I believe she could be dyslexic, but schools don't have enough funding to do anything about it. But luckily, this supply teacher just happened to have the right links to get a screening. So even though it wasn't a comprehensive gold standard assessment, I would take the screening because it gave me that reason as to why things weren't working the way I thought it would. Yeah, that's incredible. So did your did your mum kind of recognise it in you earlier than that then? But it was just, yeah, yeah. it took a while for the yeah, school to get Yeah, she was just like, <laughs> she was like, you are a mini me. And I was like, thanks. I would hope to be a mini you. But she's like, no, in the nicest possible way, I believe you have what I have. But my mum truly didn't understand it either because she didn't get as much support. So she knew, for lack of a better term, something wasn't right. And she knew it was linked to dyslexia, but she couldn't explain it further than that. And frustratingly, the school didn't really help in that either. But it was helpful to know, like she kind of brought it up growing up, but because she didn't truly know what it was, it was always like, I think you have what I have, which was quite reassuring to know that your best friend also has the same thing, which was quite nice for me. Didn't take away the struggles, but it's at least nice knowing you're not alone. Mm, That's that's incredible. I think before we, I obviously have loads more questions already, um, but I know that uh, dyslexia is like quite widely misunderstood so I guess it would be helpful um, to start with from your perspective um, to explain a little bit about what dyslexia actually is um, and perhaps talk about some of the common misconceptions people have and the strengths and challenges associated by all means so dyslexia is actually a neurological condition meaning it affects our brain's ability to process information something I had no idea about until about 
three or four years ago because I was also under the impression dyslexia equals bad at reading and writing. It's a part of dyslexia, don't get me wrong, but actually it goes so much further than that. One of the biggest things we struggle with is that processing of information. And it comes down to our brain only has one region that actually is in control of focusing and being able to interpret information. Whereas someone who is not dyslexic, they have three areas. So of course, our brain is so overrun and it's so tired of trying to do those processes. So there's a lot of misconceptions about it just truly being reading and writing. It's not an 100% misconception because it is true. I was a dyslexic person who did genuinely struggle with spelling. My spelling was terrible. Like half the time, no idea what I was trying to say or spell. And I am someone who my dyslexia does mean I will skip sentences when reading. So you can imagine it's not always the best listening to me talk. But my dyslexia also affects my ability with my short term memory. And it's one of the things I like talking about because I didn't know this until, like I said, fairly recent. So how I explain it is, if you ask me to explain a story from back in my childhood or a couple years ago, that's quite easy. But if you ask me what I did on the weekend or something as simple as, oh, what did you have for dinner last night? My brain doesn't know how to answer because it hasn't processed that information. It's like our brains run on a bit of a delay. So simple questions. And I always get it when I go to work. How was your weekend? And I just look at them like, I know it's Monday, but I don't remember what I did on the weekend. And it's a conversation starter, but it gets to the point where I'm like, I should probably know what I did. But these are things people don't understand about dyslexia because it's got so much to do with our brain. There's a lot of processes that you don't see that are affected due to it. The short term memory definitely being a big one that has caused more problems for me as I've got older because you can't mask it as easy as when you're in school. Mm, That's really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really uh, thought about the kind of memory components of it, but it completely makes sense with that processing kind of yeah crossover there um so I guess obviously we often talk about the the challenges associated with neurodivergence what for you do you think are some of the strengths if you experience strengths obviously uh, to do with dyslexia being a dyslexic person as well there's so many strengths like I truly think dyslexia and all of her ND conditions are a double-sided coin you're gonna have your strengths you're gonna have your weaknesses for me our biggest strengths as dyslexic people or truly mine is just that creative energy it gives you being able to walk into a problem and just say something that might sound so completely crazy but it worked to fix the solution that's one of my biggest strengths like I love that I can think differently because it brings so many different successes just being able to stand back and look at the bigger picture as opposed to being tunnel vision is such a key strength. And I think a lot of dyslexic people are known for that creative flair, but it doesn't mean all dyslexic people are creative. It's one thing I have started to understand and I like to premise that just because you're dyslexic, it doesn't mean you have to hold this massive talent of creativity. A lot of us do, but your talent could be that storytelling, capturing people, communication. It doesn't have to look like your standard arts and crafts creative energy. For example, my mom is amazing at embroidery. I have no patience. I want to be like my mom so bad, but I prick my fingers and I'm like, yeah, it's not for me. Whereas I am creative in a different sense where I love dancing. 
it's a bit tricky because you have to remember things but my brain has figured out a good way of remembering how to get through dance routines so creativeness can look in so many different forms so there's loads of strengths to being dyslexic Mm, that's wonderful can I just say as well it sounds like you have such a lovely bond with your mum which is just so beautiful to hear somebody talking about their parent in that way it's interesting you know what I never really seen it as that which sounds a bit crazy because I've always been so close to my mum um I guess not necessarily a fun fact but a fact I am an only child and I'm an only child to a single parent so that kind of starts to put the jigsaw puzzles together we've always been together but it's as I've got older when I hear people say oh my gosh you have such a good connection with your mum I'm like yeah you know what I do but growing up you don't realize it because you're living it Mm. but yeah she's she's sweet she's got a lot of energy and she's got a lot of a, a lot of patience because I was a child and I'm still a young adult that has way too much energy sometimes so she <laughs> is thank you she's very sweet yeah she's that sounds so lovely um so like obviously now we've contextualized a little bit more about dyslexia that's something that you do now is educate and raise awareness um of dyslexia so um can you uh talk a little bit about like how you kind of got into doing that and wanting to do that and kind of what are the goals in yeah for you in doing that so I think it all came down actually to I wanted to know more so when COVID came and everyone was doing nothing I kind of sat there and I was the typical person saying I'm gonna learn a new language that did not happen so I was like okay what is dyslexia? Because my brain just needed something to do. I was sitting there and my brain was just going round and round and round. So I was like, you know what, let me do a bit of research. And it just became this little mini passion project of just my own. I kept everything private, but it wasn't until I started to see statistically how many people here in the UK are thought to be dyslexic. It's something crazy like 10%, which if we look at the UK's population, it's 6.5 million people. Now, numbers aren't normally my good strong suit, but I remember that figure because it's like, wow, that is a lot of people. Mm. So then I was like, you know what? If I have all these weird random questions about dyslexia, I am 100% certain someone else has it. And that's when I started to like make my page public so other people can see it. And it kind of just took off from there. I didn't think it would be what it is now. I was literally just creating on Canva because I was like oh I like Canva this is new (laughs) then I would start recording because I just happened to like in like hearing my own voice and then it just bloomed into this whole movement where I basically where I wanted to go with it is creating a community of people Mm. people that feel accepted and understood because it felt quite lonely growing up like I didn't meet many dyslexic people which is really crazy because it's statistically such a prominent thing but it's also statistically undiagnosed so it's one of those ones where there's probably a high chance why I didn't see people but I wanted to make other people feel like they belonged somewhere so where I would love to see is sometime down the line actually being able to meet up with the people who's on the page give them a space where they can actually talk to each other you don't have to talk to me because all of our experiences are so different and I would love to hear their experiences from their mouths in person that's like a long-term goal that I would love to do virtually is working fine for now um, but I would honestly love to see the people 
of in our community we are a movement that's why it's a movement because i want them to feel understood and and under, understood and what's the other word i'm looking for accepted for but i also want people who are not dyslexic to be a part of our movement so they can be allies because it's not just one type of person that can help change the problem that we're facing you need both parties to be there to make a difference so yeah i guess it's a bit of a long-winded answer but that's where i see it going Mm. or hoping to see it go yeah no that sounds so wonderful and I, i especially like the point you made kind of at the end to do with the fact that of including i think it's obviously beautiful for people to meet others you've got you've got a shared experience with but also really having that space to allow people who maybe don't have that experience in but so they can learn because I think that's such an important part of it isn't it of people knowing so that they aren't stigmatizing people as well um so do you find so have you I guess found kind of more connections and stuff then from from you you doing this like do you feel like you've got this kind of community going now yeah it's it's so cute like I never thought I'd be in this position and yes like Instagram LinkedIn I truly have found a community of people who understand me which is beautiful and that's what I want to share with others it's still a work in progress a lot of the people that I know in my community are of an older generation and I love that because they're perfect for wisdom and I love just speaking to them but what I'm trying to work on is the younger generation, people who are mid-20s, early 20s, even a little bit younger, because I find we're not represented very much. When I'm going to conferences, I'm always one of the youngest people, and I'm like, damn, you're missing a whole population of people with amazing ideas, but also different struggles that we can learn from and see how we can make it better. Um, So I have found a community, and I want to continue to grow the community and try to share that with others, because I think representation is so key and we're not quite hitting representation in quite a few different ways in the ND world at the minute, if you ask me. Mm, Yeah, no, I definitely, I can see that. And I think just from, because my background's in uh, kind of autism research and stuff like that. So that's kind of the communities that I spend most time with. But I do think I've noticed that you do have different silos of representation in kind of different neurodivergent groups. Obviously, they're never perfect little neurodivergent groups but I I have noticed that as well so that's really interesting um to hear from your like perspective kind of how that community looks like for you at the moment um so because you do quite a lot of um talk like you go and talk to a lot of different groups and stuff don't you if I understand Mm -hmm. correctly so what kind of kind of are you talking to businesses or organizations or charities like where what what kind of like where's the interest for for you to everything Mm. honestly it's a bit of everything um I talk to independent people like like yourself with your own little neuro spicy podcast I love to be honest I love doing that because that is when it is just like this it's a conversation I can be me I do talk to organizations, some in the sports world because my background is in sport, um, some organizations just like corporate organizations. But then sometimes I just get invited to just speak to people as a person. Because as much as I love doing all the corporate stuff because I'm pushing myself out there and I'm creating new representation, for me, nothing beats just sitting in a community center and just chilling and talking to people because. You need to scale back and start with the foundation, like 
it is fine to be different. And yes, we can go to organizations because yes, there's a lot of work that needs to be done for us as employers because the statistics for all ND people being underemployed is ridiculous. Mm. But part of me does feel like there's a lot of work that we have to do foundational just with families alone. Coming from the black community, luckily I was very fortunate, but there's a lot of people who their ND is not accepted by their own family. Therefore, it's really difficult. So I talk to loads of different people, loads of different organizations. But I I also equally just speaking to people, just face to face, this was my experience. What's your experience? And just asking them questions because sometimes they just need to talk. They need to get it off their chest because they don't have a network to talk to. Mm. That's so lovely. That's such a wonderful, I think, position to come from as well, to be like, actually, this is the thing that I enjoy the most and really want to really want to do. And I think those guys, I think that kind of approach really does affect change a lot more. And also, I guess, I mean, if it's enjoyable for you, (laughs) being able to forge those connections rather than, yeah, constantly just going to talk at rooms of people and then never see them again. Um, yeah, it sounds like you've got a really nice balance, so. Mm-hmm. I do. I really enjoy both. Like, don't get me wrong. I I like going to conferences. I like being able, it's going to sound terrible. I don't like being the centre of attention, but when it comes to dyslexia, I will happily be the centre of attention because it's so important. Take away me as just Zoe, hate it. I will run to the back of the room. Like if you sing happy birthday to me and bring a cake in, no, I'm gone. But if I have to be the center of the room for dyslexia to have a like a platform, then I will because it's so important. And that's what I have to do in some of these other like corporate events that I do because otherwise who's going to do it? And it's been a slow burn, I'll be real with you. People see me. They don't always see colour. Sometimes that is a barrier. But more importantly, they see, oh, she's young. The amount of people that after I've speak and they're like, oh, well, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 25. Oh, I wouldn't expect that. And it's like, you know, when they dig themselves a hole and I'm like, I know you're trying not to be rude, but you saying that is quite rude. I have 25 years of experience. <laughs> like mm. it's my lived experience. It doesn't matter how old or young I am to speak on that. Um, but that's why I do it to try and change that because you mentioned a great point earlier that some people don't know about dyslexia and it's not anything other than ignorance and it's not necessarily bad ignorance it's just they don't know because they weren't educated there's some people in other rooms that have that same energy for people who are younger oh I never thought I'd see someone like you here happy days while I'm in the room ask me a question like we have to make those changes. So that's why I do enjoy and I like going to those events because I love a challenge. But I am, like you said, happy to have a balance of when I can just walk in a room and just be me and sit there and talk however I want to talk and just be so open and candid with other people who are going through either a similar or different experience, but just give them time to speak. Mm, yeah, that's I think that's really interesting. And I think that you've hit on a really important point there about kind of intersectional identities as well and like the value and the not the value but like how seriously people take different identities as well that I think it it is really important as you said to to stand up to that and be able to I guess all those different identities and why people will, will uh 
not take you as seriously, but you obviously have a really important mission to be able to stand up and educate people in this way about dyslexia as well. So, yeah, it's really wonderful that you're able to stand your own, I guess, especially with people not taking you seriously and like, yeah, yeah, it's really important to have that representation because I think it's so easy for to have the same voices be heard over and over again, which is just not going to do the neurodivergent community any no. service at all. So that's wonderful. It's true. Like their stories, don't get me wrong, their stories are equally as important. Mm-hmm. I'd never say just because they get it doesn't mean they don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. But it's just look at how many people live in the UK. Look how diverse the UK is. We, we just take the UK because it's simpler. Look how diverse it is. But when it's the same people, it's like, okay, you're not doing, you're not doing the community justice. Because there's some people, like, I can't relate to everyone. That's fine. Um, Not everyone can relate to me. That's why you need so many different figures out there that can talk. And I find that it doesn't always happen. But I find, you mentioned resilience. I think, if I'm honest, that got built up being dyslexic. And it's going to sound kind of sad, but the experiences you have, they can be challenging and they can be quite sad. But it does build resilience because I've always had the energy that I want to prove people wrong. It's not always helpful, but I have had that energy where I'm like, ah, just because I'm dyslexic, you think I can't do this while I'm going to do this. Um, So it's, it's bittersweet in a sense where it has built up because of my dyslexia, but that doesn't always mean it was a good building up. Like I had to build up. You didn't always get the choice, let's say. Yeah, I think that's, a really that's something that I do hear time time again especially from neurodivergent people um of that kind of like it was having a really challenging situation either through school or in your in family life or with friends or whatever it might be and obviously that being awful and having kind of uh, long-lasting impact sometimes but equally having that other side of things where People often talk about it, not necessarily seeing the positives of it, of being like, okay, but now I'm really strong and I'm prepared to like, yeah. <laughs> you know, fight back or like stand up or whatever. I think that there's that, yeah, as you said, that bittersweet thing is definitely, yeah, it's like devastating, but also you can see the kind of positives come out of it too. Definitely. It's like you said, it's a really awkward one, but yeah, that is how you would capture it. You you've built up the resilience because of something that's not necessarily the most positive, but the only way you can shape it into a positive thing is to, let's just say, kick the door down, Mm. be a present, be someone else's voice if they can't be that voice just yet. So, and there's plenty of things, there's plenty of people that want to do it. It's just, they don't always get given the time to shine. So it's nice that if I can help people with their platform, then amazing like there's so much space for all of us to educate people and be there for people so it'd just be nice like he says to see some different faces in the room Mm, yeah definitely and yeah I really like that sentiment as well because I don't think it is obviously easy for everybody who's had a bit of a tough time to be able to do that so I always think that it's such a wonderful thing and I always have so much respect for people who do dedicate their time to being able to do that for like others as well so yeah you should definitely be very proud of yourself (laughs) being one of those people um so 
obviously, uh, as we've said, you, you've kind of done a, a lot of uh, different talks and, and uh, things and educated lots of different people. Um, are there any particular kind of projects or work you've been doing or will be doing that um, you, you're particularly proud of? And like, why, why are you? Yes. Um, yes, is the answer. One of the things that I'm actually really proud of, I was asked to come to an event it was called blend and it's all about um black excellence in leadership specifically looking at nd people and i was asked to come talk as the future generation which i was like yes like finally someone has a little category granted i know not everyone likes boxes but it was nice to be asked to talk about something that i can generally say yes i am the next generation because sometimes I get asked to talk about things which I don't mind. Let's take parents, for instance. Love talking to parents, but I'd equally love to do more about the next generation. Because I think we forget that the next generation is fast upon us. Upon, fast upon it. Fast upon us. There we go. Um, and I think people forget that. So that was one of the events that I just really loved. But it was all it holds a quite special place in my heart purely because. It was a room full of amazing black people as well as allies, people from other communities that were here to support us. Now, as someone who is of mixed heritage, I've really battled with, am I black? Am I white? I'm mixed race. But there's this whole sentiment of, well, are you white mixed race or are you black mixed race? And I'm not going to get into it too much because I could probably talk forever and ever about it. But it was nice to be in a room to talk about that and also talk about my dyslexia because we already face if I'm honest we already face challenges as people of color as a woman and then as someone who has dyslexia so it was nice to just be so open and talk about that in that room so that was one of the things that I was really happy to do um because it just it holds a really close part in my heart because people was able to relate more than normally it's people relating to me but I was able to relate to other people when I spoke to them, which was really, really nice. Um, so that was one of the ones. And I think the biggest one that has literally just happened, and I still feel really awkward to talk about because it's literally just happened. But I was asked to give a TED talk at Warwick, which it still sounds really weird to say. And as you can tell, this is probably the most awkward I've been in the interview because I'm so proud of it. But I'm also still trying to come down from okay, you've done it now, take a deep breath. But again, just being able to talk on the behalf of dyslexic people and get what dyslexia is out there, I absolutely loved because we need to do that. There was no specific TED Talks that I'm aware of, so apologies if there is, that was just dedicated to dyslexia. So if all goes well and it gets posted, hopefully that's going to help loads of other dyslexic people know that being different is okay because for whatever reason society nowadays labels different as a bad thing mm. but I'm like why yeah. it's really not a bad thing to be different so I would pinpoint those two as being some of the proudest moments that I've had um in regards to what's coming up what is coming up I am doing a talk at the dyslexia show which will be on the 16th of March if anyone wants to come I'll be talking to parents about dyslexia and families. How does it actually affect a family growing up? I like to say I have a unique perspective that 
I talk about it as a young person growing up with a mother who is also dyslexic, but has dyslexia that's more severe than mine. And that whole dynamic of actually, that must be difficult for my mom to have to rely on me as a child to help out. So that will be interesting. And I look forward to that because I like talking a, a lot about my mom, but trying to know that, try to let other dyslexic parents know it's okay. It's all right if you struggle with doing the homework for the young person. Like, it's fine. There's so many other people out there. You're not alone. So, yeah, in a nutshell, those are things that have happened and that are happening soon. Mm, that's yeah, amazing. I mean, firstly, TED Talk is like life goals. That's <laughs> that's pretty amazing. I did see that on your Instagram earlier and I was like, yes, that is exceptional. So, But I, could, I think I can see why you'd be a bit like, oh, God, did that really happen? <laughs> Yeah, I just was not expecting that. And I really wanted to say at the end, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. But I was speaking for 16 minutes. I was really afraid that I would end. Thank you. Da, 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 da. I didn't think the word <laughs> come out. So I just said, thank you. And I just walked off. That's <laughs> amazing. As much as I wanted that like proper, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I just, my brain was like, girl, you have talked too much. Just say thank you and go. Um, but yeah, it's just very surreal still. It's it's really interesting. Mm, that's amazing. And I, I also, yeah, I think it's really incredible, as you said, to have like a whole talk dedicated to dyslexia in that way. Um, yeah, I think that's incredible. And um, the other event you talked about, was it called Blended, did you say? Yes, Blend. That Blend, that sounds amazing as well. And I think it's a really important point to talk about the fact of bringing together all like lots of different identities as I said earlier as well um because while you were talking about that I think it was something that I've been talking a lot about recently to do with um kind of uh, inclusion is that people think talk about like ethnicity and neurodiversity and um uh, uh gender all in these kind of siloed things and like Mm -hmm. they're like right we need to do this to action that one and then this to action that and then this to action that and you're always I I just find it it doesn't work like that (laughs) and I'm always like I don't understand why there isn't this just intersectionality approach to kind of everything is that kind of your perspective as well on this definitely like first things first when people think of inclusion and diversity they just think of gender and race and I'm like oh Come on, there's more than that. But I agree. I think you need, times are changing. We need to be a bit more fluid with how we see and do things. Because like you said, it all connects. Like there's so much intersectionality of it all where we need to be approaching it in, okay, this is a fluid motion. It's a circle that keeps going round. Um, So yeah, I just think looking at all of those things are super important. It's really interesting for us because Blend always happens during Dyslexia Awareness Month, which is October, which also coincides with Black History Month. So it's really nice to actually touch on and be proud of where you come from. But there's, like I said, there's also an interesting part of healing to it because a lot of people from these communities, like I said earlier, it's not accepted to be different or to be dyslexic, have any sort of ND or even mental health it's seen as being um, not disrespectful, but it's you're dishonoring the family. But it's like, A, you can't control that. B, your parents are probably dyslexic. So it's like, 
but they don't understand that in that community so I do think it's nice when we can have that but I definitely agree that we need to be more fluid and they're not just okay age neurodiversity and like dyslexia stuff oh sex it it really just needs to be fluid because they all coincide in one point in one point in time Mm, absolutely and I think as well like it if if it is viewed and um in that kind of siloed way whoever's doing it businesses organizations whoever's focusing on these issues is never going to really help people who are the most disadvantaged as well because you're mm-hmm. always just touching the top level of all of it so it ends up being or like white neurotypical women or you know it's always that kind of that bar rather than actually being like okay but who really are the people who can't aren't included here or yes are disabled the most by this environment like I it, mm-hmm. and yeah and I think that if that approach is kept keeps being taken then yeah that's just the couldn't, reality of it couldn't agree more and I always say that doesn't mean they're not important everyone is equally as important no matter what race color ethnicity you are mm-hmm. it's just you need to understand that there's more barriers for some people than others so it's been a case of addressing all of the barriers in the room not just the surface level barriers that even then only might actually help let's say white men and women or they and them from a middle class background that's not including white people from a work into lower class background so there's so mm-hmm. many barriers like when we when we dissect colour, there's so much colorism within colour, no matter what colour you look at, that we only always seem to scratch that surface layer that really excludes the people that you could argue need more support. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's it's such an important discussion which I think that is not happening as much as I think it should be but yeah hopefully it's nice to hear that there are spaces where it is happening and as you said the more that you have people who intersect in all the different ways have different identities in the rooms talking then it's going to keep improving which I think exactly sadly as much as I would love for some of these to be overnight fixes they're really not and I've I've come to terms with that before I used to get so frustrated. I was that person that was like, I'm going to conquer the world in like 70 days. That ain't happening. Um, but it, at least I have more of an understanding now that some of these things just take a bit more time to do. But I do still wholeheartedly agree we're not moving fast enough. But like you said, at least there are some spaces that are just not widely known. So that's mm. at least a starting point where we can start to try and shed a light on things. Mm, yeah, no, that's super important. The other thing you said, which I thought was really interesting, um, was obviously talking about the um, uh, speaking with parents, but also the consideration of when you have a parent who's also dyslexic. And you mentioned about the homework thing. And that's really got me thinking because I... Um, I was, I'm going to ask you about school shortly anyway, but I, um, I think that some of the things I've heard is that there's this expectation that, oh, if you have a dyslexic child, then they can go home and their parents go to support them to like keep up with school and stuff like that. And so I just thought it was, uh, from your perspective as somebody who has a dyslexic parent as well, is that kind of your experience of like, 
you know, <laughs> am I t- yeah, is that kind of accurate? Is that the yeah. kind of way? You're making sense. <laughs> I get you. But no, it's not like I would love to sit down. Actually, tell a lie. The one piece of homework my mum was great at, art. I could sit down, me and my mum would do an art project and best believe when it came, very British thing we do here, you know, when it's Easter and you create an Easter hat. Mm-hmm. I have medals from winning that because my mum is so Amazing. creative. That's the one thing we did excel in. But when it came to English, maths, you kind of more academia, I would go to my auntie's house and be like, yes, auntie, I don't get this. Can you please help me? Because my aunt is not dyslexic. Um, so there was ways about it. But you've got to imagine like both me and my mom would feel like a burden. Now, I didn't know what burden was or f- Yeah, I didn't know what burden was growing up. But I knew the feeling. It isn't till you get old where you're like, oh, so that's the word that matches that emotion. But you can imagine how my mom feels. Like I actually, before I started talking a bit more publicly, sat down with my mom and says, listen, I would love to talk about our story and how we struggled. Are you okay with that? Because I don't want, you know, my mom knows I speak very candid. I don't ever want it to feel like she was not good enough or make her feel like, oh my gosh, you're telling everyone that I couldn't help you. And I asked her, are you okay with that? Because I just want to be honest with other people. And she was like, yeah, I couldn't do it. So we did it other ways. Like she's very, she's amazingly open to whatever I want to do, which I absolutely love her for. But these are conversations people don't see. Like it is difficult wanting to go home and you you want to just do homework with your parent like we see it in movies where they sit down and they make homework fun me and my mom would sit down we'd look at each other and be like do you get it my mom would be like no she's like do you get it I'm like no so it's like cool next step and you have to find laughter in it at some point like deep down it does hurt but sometimes you have to be able to laugh with the pain which I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing but sometimes that's just how we handled it and we moved on so like I said you go to family members we'd ask or sometimes I'd ask my friends I'm like I don't get it can you just go through it once more um because I find it's really weird but a child or a young person explaining the work to me I understood better than when Mm. the teachers did but I think sometimes it just comes down to how they explain it and the patience that the teachers did not have but my friends had which was at least very nice so yes I don't think it's what people think it is because when you have a dyslexic parent just because they are now older does not mean they have the same understanding as someone who's not dyslexic in their age bracket not to say my mom doesn't understand but there's processes and struggles that she has like anyone let's say so and maths homework is difficult my little cousin came back with homework and I was like oh yeah you know what I think I've understood and grown a bit I said no (laughs) that is difficult (laughs) find someone else so I also think the work was difficult for any parents because it's nothing like what they learned growing up as well which is another thing that plays a part in it but yeah it was it was difficult wanting to do homework and doing homework was difficult Mm. so what were your kind of wider experiences of of being dyslexic at school like and yeah because I'm really interested to talk a little bit more about kind of yeah what your experiences were and what schools are doing well not so well like what Mm -hmm. yeah that kind of thing well I guess we'll tackle the elephant in the room 
people are mean let's just be real and some of it comes down to ignorance I had everything under the sun oh you can't spell you're thick you're stupid you're dumb and now I've built up such a war to it that I can say it so openly like this one thing I really took a while to understand with dyslexia is you process trauma very differently in a sense where I didn't process it there and then like people would say it to me and me being this gobby girl I would give it back as good as I received it so if you're telling me that I'm gonna tell you the same thing which I do not advocate for I should have just been a little bit more politer but I processed that trauma as I got older and it hurt more then because I was like wow people truly seen me and my struggles or my difference being dyslexic as such a negative thing like they called me everything under the sun what didn't also help was the teachers wasn't very understanding to it I'm someone who because dyslexia affects our processing abilities I need to hear questions over and over again certain for certain times not all the time but certain times I do need to hear it and sometimes I'll ask for it to be rephrased because if you just move one or two words around for whatever reason my brain's like yes I get it but in school it was always like why are you asking again did you not listen I was like yes but it didn't sink in well you obviously weren't listening go to detention it was like huh like we faced so much misconceptions even from the educational system and you're like hold up you would assume that's where it should be taught the most but to give a bit of credit to teachers now that I've understood there's actually not much they don't get taught that much about ND conditions when you train to be a teacher if you're lucky to be in a school where they have it well most schools should have um, a SENCO now so like special education needs department but if they're lucky enough to get like real life experience in them, then at least they know signs and symptoms, but it's not really covered. So my frustration for teachers has definitely died down as I've understood that. But mm. the wider scale of school is that it's really difficult um, being told that you're different, like even exams. OK, let's look at the positives. I was able to have extra time, which was definitely needed because um, my slow it, my writing um, ability is very slow. can type really quick, but I can't write very quick. Um, I was offered a, screen, um, a reader, but I was like, mm-hmm. nope, because I'd been, I guess it is bullied. I don't like to see it as bullied, but it was bullied. I was like, I don't want a reader because then that's going to make me look even different to everyone. So I was like, I'm just going to struggle in silence. Don't do that. If you can get a reader, don't care what people think, just go for it. But th- those things you, you live and learn, and that's one thing I definitely say, if they offer it to you, please take it. Don't care what people think. But there were some positives that came out to that. But annoyingly, sometimes those positives led to more negatives because you're seen as, oh, you're in the room with the silly people. And it's like, excuse me, I'm just in a separate room. I'm in a separate room because my brain gets distracted so easily that just the ticking on the clock and the modulators walking down, my brain has gone. I'm now counting how many steps they're taking and not trying to figure out what algebra is. So there was there was quite a wide variety of problems in school. But I will premise and say, if we're looking at the positives, the UK, although not perfect, is doing more than other countries let's say and it like I said it's still not perfect but at least I got given extra time at least I had that quiet room even though people would say things that really came in clutch when we think about it because I needed all of that 25% extra time because I was only just finishing every time I did an exam 
and sometimes my exams were like two and a half hours long and I'm still literally as the clock is ticking writing down so there was positives it's just growing up in the school system that does not have a good understanding it does lead to trauma that I'm only over it because I speak about it the more I speak about it for me personally the more I'm able to accept it and move on from it but it's important we do talk about it because if you don't talk about it history will repeat itself and there's no one there to change that kind of vicious cycle so I know I've kind of brought the mood down a bit but that's genuinely what school feels like but I will say sorry the university is where it gets better which is again frustrating because I wasn't going to go uni because I was like oh I'm dyslexic I'm not going to do good in uni but I love sports and sports is quite practical so it wasn't too bad but that's where I got a lot of support I was given a computer I was given well I say a laptop I was given a printer I had a tutor and every Tuesday for two hours of my three-year degree I had to do one-to-one with this tutor and she would help me with my assignments she didn't have any idea what dyslexia was to start off with but we learned together and she was super super helpful even if she didn't know what dyslexia was she tried everything to make sure it made more sense so there were little things that did get better. It's just sad that those improvements come um, so late in life as opposed mm. to you, you, prevention's better than cure type of thing. Like let's nip it in the bud and try and help people there and then as opposed to waiting to university. But like most ND conditions, we don't get a formal diagnosis until university. Mm. That's when I got mine, but I at least knew I was dyslexic. But a lot of the people I talked to was like, oh, yeah, I found out when I was in like my second or third year of uni. And I'm like, wow, you went that long without knowing? Like, imagine imagine what that does for your mental health. Yeah, I think that also is just, it makes me wonder how many people don't go to university because it by that point they're like, you know, this isn't for me. Like, I, how, how am I going to get through here? Like, you know, I just think that it just and it is wonderful to hear that obviously universities do seem to be more on it and that is when people are getting diagnosis and then getting better support and that can end up flourishing I guess but it yeah I it it does just sound like if you are able to build up the resilience to get through school and are lucky enough or yeah lucky is probably the wrong term like if you are just able to get through that or maybe people just have extra supports at home or whatever to be able to get through that um and obviously university isn't the be all and end all and people go down different routes like it's not everything but it, it obviously if somebody would like to do that and it's meaning that they're not able to do that that's quite devastating yeah and it's it's really frustrating in a sense but I agree university is not the end of the road there's so many different things like apprenticeships traineeships if you're like me and you're very kinesthetic you're hands-on I definitely would recommend them it's just sports therapy you kind of got to go through the university degree route but I say all of that to say there was something prime dyslexic moment it's on the tip of my brain and it was disappearing um oh that's it it's really frustratingly difficult to get a diagnosis if you are not in education, being university or work. So if you're someone who, let's just say 
you work in a retail department and when I say work I should say if you're in the corporate world it's a little bit easier but if you're not in any of those two um, areas of your life dyslexia assessments are really hard to get you can't go to the NHS so ADHD and autism I guess it's a bit of a misconception for everyone you can go to the doctors to try and seek a referral because in some cases not all you may be medicated dyslexia does not have any behavior traits like that when, when we do not need to take medication so we go to the NHS it's very rare that they can put you forward for a screening or an assessment if the doctor understands it then you may, but you'll be waiting a very long time, which only then leads private. And that's over £500 to try and get an, um, an assessment. So that is why the rates of dyslexia or the undiagnosed rates of dyslexia is crazy. It's something mm. ridiculous, like 80% of kids leave without a formal diagnosis. But then it's really difficult to get them that diagnosis because it's either private, it's either university, like you said, at some point you'll put off before you even get to that point. Or hopefully you can go through the workplace assessment and they can potentially try and get that assessment there. Sometimes that's a bit tricky because sometimes they want to see evidence, which is really hard to prove if you don't have a diagnosis. And sometimes they take the screening assessments, sometimes they don't. But that was something I, I've i known for a while now, but even still, it always shocks me because I was under the impression we could get a diagnosis or go to the NHS just like someone with ADHD and autism, but it's not the same, which is very difficult. So it leaves a lot of dyslexic people feeling very helpless because it's like, where do you go? Mm. Because there doesn't seem to be many places, which I thought would be very interesting to share. Yeah, that is really interesting. Do you think a lot of that is tied to the fact that it's seen as an educational problem like it's seen as a like oh do you have difficulty with your spelling because then oh yes. it might affect your schoolwork and so then it, do you think there's an attitude of kind of like well this it's the schools can deal with it or like the workplace can deal with it and then it's kind of not seen as actually it's broader than that like as you said to do with the processing stuff and things like that it's not just like you switch on your dyslexia in school and it switches off when you exactly. like it's part of you so do you think that's kind of why yeah. that setup? It definitely adds to it, a hundred percent. But it is really frustrating because there's a lot of research that's out there now that actually looks at the similarities of ND conditions more than the differences. Now, mm. that's not to say there aren't differences. Yes, someone with ADHD will present different to someone with dyslexia and someone who's autistic. But there's a lot of traits that are so combined together where actually. I may not need to be medicated, but I show very similar traits to someone with ADHD. My brain is like clockwork. It's just round and round and round. But then I'll go in periods of hyperfixations. Like at the minute, I'm, I'm so obsessed with anything Chernobyl. It's like my brain needs to understand everything that's happened to the point where I've watched documentaries in English, Ukrainian and Russian. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I need to chill. But I, I also have those tendencies, just like someone who has ADHD. But I do think it's not helpful that the media does not talk about dyslexia or ADHD, um, dyslexia that much. Hmm. But it's also not fair that when they do talk about ADHD and, and autism, it tends to be more negative. And it's always about how it's unemployment rates or how they act a certain way without actually understanding why they're acting that way. But yeah, I do think it does come down to dyslexia is still only seen as a reading writing spelling issue 
they see mm. it as oh it would only affect someone in education not necessarily when you're in everyday life but that's where they don't know the rest of it because even social cues so obviously you know it's not nice to in interrupt someone when they're speaking I sometimes can't help it why because when my brain is going it's already thinking faster than what my mouth can talk it so if I don't get something off my brain right there and then it is gone into the universe it may come back at two o'clock in the morning which is very annoying but it's normally gone so there are times especially in work where I already people know this now but I will apologize for cutting people off and I mean no disrespect that's that's got nothing to do with reading writing and spelling but that truly affects me as a person and these are the things that the media don't know don't portray because everyone just thinks dyslexia words which they're not wrong but it's more than that Mm, yeah and I think that's that's such an important point and as you were saying that I was reflecting on this the things and the 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 uh, news that I've heard in the media and and the, the narratives that I've heard in the media and um yeah it's always school issues always like you never hear kind of anything past that and uh, you we we know it's more than that and it's all it's always mentioned as a oh neurodiversity you know autism ADHD oh and you know dyslexia etc <laughs> like you know it's it's always a I, I guess talked about like follow that. one yeah mm, it's, and it's difficult because we at least get more representation in the media than dyspraxia and dyscalculia like yeah there's three d's dyslexia dyspraxia dyscalculia dyslexia all about words and processing information dyscalculia is all about numbers dyspraxia is all about like movement so I feel like I have all three because I'm terrible with numbers and I trip over my own feet constantly but the other two they don't get spoken about nowhere near as much as dyslexia so sometimes we've got to take a win where we can take it but it is frustrating that when it is spoken about it is always just oh school not doing this English words letters and I'm like come on it's so much more because dyslexia is the most common now I say learning preference or learning difference some people refer to it as a learning disability most people do so just to make it easier it's the most common learning disability out of all of them but it still doesn't gain the same traction and I think there's so many reasons as to why but like you says I think you hit the nail on the head where it's it's seen as a school problem Mm, absolutely and I think I also want to circle back to um, what you were talking about of the kind of wider school experiences as well and firstly just to say thank you for sharing um, kind of your experiences um, because you know I think obviously you made uh, the point of saying that you think it's important to share kind of the the more traumatic experiences too because I, I think that people don't consider those things that again although it's always that focus on reading writing if people do get it a bit further I don't think that it's really ever talked about in terms of actually the the society's perception of like how and also how kids are treated in school by their peers and things like that like and the impacts of that and the long term it's always to do with that employment attainment or educational attainment it's still not thought about or talked about in terms of okay but socially what are children experiencing and how does that impact their self-esteem their mental health their well-being etc so I think that you talking about that and being able to highlight that is really important and um, yeah I think it's 
great that you are willing to share that and put a spotlight on those experiences as well thank you it, it you get someone has to like I don't mind it honestly I just find it interesting every time I reflect on it I do after like whenever I've spoken about it I do take a couple of minutes to be like oh you know what that pain was real that pain was okay like sometimes you have to tell yourself that did happen you're okay to feel down about it and then I'm like cool I've processed it we're allowed to feel sad even though that happened how many years ago because it happened but I agree that they don't talk about that but it's so important because that can then make someone be really reserved I stood no chance I just talk way too much and I like to just be here there and everywhere but imagine constantly being told you're not good enough constantly being told that you're stupid of course that's going to eat up at you because as humans I do think we can be quite negative and we process and think about the negatives too much sometimes I'm guilty like even with my dyslexia if I'm having a really bad dyslexic day I'm like damn come on Zoe like you can do this like you should be able to do this like not that it's easy but even I'm still trying to always learn and let me rephrase how I talk to myself because I could be a bit nicer because you know what I'm doing most of the tasks so that's a win but I just think yeah this we don't talk about it enough therefore when young people go through it do they know that it's okay to feel the way they feel Mm, absolutely and at the end of the day it's most important that people are happy and have a good self-esteem rather than that you know they've been tortured into being able to spell really good like I feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna take a win you'd rather people were happy and healthy yes really because it's not all bad like I know I've just given you a whole spill about how sad it was but there's good things that come with it like I'm so glad Mm. to be dyslexic and I would not change it yes it takes time to accept that and I would say you never not that you never truly accept it you're always accepting it because you unlock different features sometimes where you're like oh I thought it was better at this oh it's okay I'll work on it um it's not all terrible there are some really positive things it's just we mentioned it earlier I think it's really important that you talk about both sides of the coin that way everyone has a really well-rounded um idea of what it actually is like Mm, absolutely Um, And so obviously we've touched on kind of talking about employment a little bit, but I know that that's something that you talk about kind of a a lot um, in in the uh, uh, stuff that you share. Um, So could you talk a bit about like your experience of employment um, and um, yeah, kind of what your views are on what employers, where they're kind of falling short, what they need to do, those kinds of things? Yeah, um, I've kind of been a bit of a trick of all trade until I settled down and had a full-time job like I've had loads of part-time jobs in between uni and I would mention I was dyslexic I don't think anyone really cared in the nicest possible way but they were jobs that yes it did affect it but I had a lot of like customer service jobs where I was always just talking to people I I like talking so I didn't see it too much Working full time, however, is a different story, like Mm -hmm. being able to write emails, speak to people on the phone. These are like crucial things that can be difficult. For example, when you're taking information on the phone, like if I forget, I'm screwed. It's not like like I can call them back, but it comes across very unprofessional. Oh, my gosh, sorry, I completely forgot that. Can you say that again? But that's just the reality. My brain does not take in information very well when it comes to phone calls. And I will say, um, if we look at just like my own, I've only worked full time once, like the job that I'm in now is my very first full time role. 
it was for me quite positive. That was because I went in, I told them from the get go, I am dyslexic. I don't a hundred percent know what that should entail, but I believe it would be helpful if I had some software that would read my text back to me. Because I think people need to understand just because you know you're dyslexic or have another ND condition, that doesn't mean you understand what works for you, especially if it's such a late diagnosis. So I've had a really pleasant experience where my employer was very happy to just buy the equipment. I did talk to them about access to work and I'm not going to mention it too much because I never went down that route. So I'm not really the best person to talk about it. But the only reason why I didn't go down the route was because my employer was like, oh, it's fine. We'll buy you whatever you need. And I was like, happy days. Like, thank you. Um, so I, I have it very lucky in that sense. But there's still tasks that I do struggle with. And it took, it took people a little bit of time to understand how to work with me. But I made it very easy. I would tell them, cool, this is how I work because I at least understood that. And it's got to the point where my manager, he is not neurodiverse or neurodivergent, and um, he will happily voice note me. All of our chat messages now are just voice note, voice note, voice note, voice note, because I can hear the tone of his voice so I can fully understand what it is that he wants me to do and how urgent. Sometimes if you just text me something, I read it very monotone, which is crazy because I love, I love being a storyteller, but I can't pick up important stuff in other people's messages. Or equally, I sound really blunt. And I have had it sometimes where professionally someone says, oh, that's, um, you could maybe reword that. And they mean it in a polite way. But to me, I was like, oh, I thought that read fine. Like, I didn't know it was that kind of like, not passive aggressive, but very straight to the point. Because why would it be around the bush? Like, my brain doesn't do that. But I do think employers aren't 100% there. I'm starting to feel, and neurodiversity is a buzzword. It has its positives. It means people are talking about it but it's fallen into tokenistic tick box territory, which makes me very nervous because, okay, you're going to do training for the whole organization about neurodiversity once. Uh, are you going to refresh it? Are you going to retouch it? Are you actively making changes? Like, I want to see changes to job descriptions. Can we make them bigger? Like, no harm in making them bigger and more of a friendly text. Can we send the, if you're having an interview, can we send the questions in advance? no harm in doing that like that doesn't just help someone with nd that just helps anyone who's a bit nervous like it's such a it's such an easy thing you can do that i don't think employers are doing enough we're starting to get it but it's still not enough even like the jargon as well like when i'm reading job descriptions and stuff i'm like why why are these big fancy words there? like i do not understand this can we just make it easier and my biggest frustration with the corporate world is acronyms. Please tell me what it means. Like, don't write it and assume I've been in the industry for years and I know what that means. I don't know what that means. So there's a lot of things that they're not doing right. But I find there's some really small and simple wins they could do. Like the ones that I've mentioned, just increasing your font and make it friendly. Sending out interview questions asking the question like be respectively curious if you know if you're a line manager and the person that you're working with has says listen I believe I could be dyslexic or I am dyslexic respectfully be curious ask questions also know that they might not have the answer so do your own research like you would do that for something else so why not do it for this 
So I come from having a good experience in the workforce, but I have seen where it could be better elsewhere, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. I think you uh, a lot of the points you made are, are super important, especially saying that a lot of these things would just be better for a lot of people as well. Like, I, it, it, and, it, and it, when you say it, it is so simple. Like, the fact... <laughs> When I always say this about the um, interview question thing, I'm always like, okay, but what are you testing? <laughs> like, what? Why do you like it, it? They they still need to tell you that information and demonstrate that they have that knowledge or that skill or whatever. Like, just because they maybe if everybody's able to prepare a little bit, like, why does it matter? Exactly. I, I, I don't understand. Like, unless you specifically the role means that this person needs to like think on their feet really quickly etc then maybe you do want to test that skill in that way but for other jobs where you're like this is never going to be something that that person needs to do I'm like all you're testing is some kind of neurotypical social contest <laughs> like that's Basically. all it is <laughs> and we've already said dyslexia processing information I'm not processing that quick enough so luckily I've always been able to kind of wing my interviews I'm, I'm I just, I'm a people person. I love kind of talking and that's really helped me, but not everyone can do that. Not everyone is this random chatterbox of a person. So I'm thankful for that really random skill I have. But if we just look at it on a whole, that is not everyone. So like he says, interviews are meant to be just a conversation, really. I want to know more about you. You've applied for the role. Tell me about yourself. Here are a couple of questions. How would you answer them? It shouldn't be, okay, can you tell me da, 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 da. It's not a quiz. Like, but I, for me, I'm someone where if I'm going to an interview and the questions aren't already given to me, you're not the workplace for me. It's as simple mm. as that. You start to understand what workplaces are doing it good versus what aren't. And it's simple, simple things like my big pet peeve at the minute is when if there's a video on someone's website or we do a lot of delivery so I have loads of videos because you don't want to hear someone's voice all the time you want something 60 second video I always put captions on you may think okay I've just said dyslexia we do struggle with words I love captions because for whatever reason if I'm focusing really intensely I feel like I can't hear I'm that person where like if you're driving you turn the music down there's no need to do that but those words help me to build concepts that I might have missed it's super important, but then putting subtitles on would help anyone who's hard of hearing, who English isn't their first language. So you see what I mean? There's so many different ways that doing one thing would help not just someone who's dyslexic, but a variety of different people. And it's really not difficult to put captions on a video. So like, that's one of the first things, like I always tell the people that I work with, if I come to one of your presentations and there's not captions on your video, that's it. Like as soon as we come out, that's the first thing I'm saying to you because it's such an easy, accessible thing you can do. And again, easy. It's not difficult to do these things. Yes, when we get onto the technical side of it and like getting software that will change the background and read the font and do different things. Okay, that is a different set that we can tackle. But there's so many free accessible things people can do to make everybody's lives easier like my biggest thing as well sending agendas to meetings I love to know what we're talking about because I hate being put on the spot where you go to a meeting you have no idea and they're like cool so let's think of some ideas and I'm like I I, huh? I don't yeah. even know what ideas we're thinking of if you tell me 
even if it's a couple hours in advance, preferably I'd like a day or two, but even if it's a couple of hours, let me know what it is so I can bring my A game to the meeting. That's any that that would help everyone. No one wants to go into a meeting not knowing what's happening. So the, there's little things like that that are quite simple fixes that employers are still kind of slow to do in. Mm, absolutely. I think like, I mean, I guess kind of the point you were making earlier is like really taking that universal approach to it and I think that I think that's the thing that is misunderstood when because I agree that neurodiversity has become a buzzword and everybody's talking about all the businesses I speak with and organizations everyone's talking about neurodiversity everyone wants neurodiversity speakers and etc but I don't think that that they're understanding the point of it and the kind of the the ethos of as of why it's important it's more just a oh we need to integrate this thing but they're looking at it still I guess from a very medical lens of going okay right but you need to tell me if you're dyslexic so that I know exactly what I need to do so that you can be in work and like you know, as we know, not uh, people might not be diagnosed, people might not know, people might just have struggles. And so, t- or might not want to tell you, <laughs> that's also a thing. So being able to take an approach where an employer was like, we're, we're just cool to support and recognize that everybody has different strengths and challenges, and that we're going to take an approach where if you tell me what you need, we'll accommodate that. I think that's the because neurotypical people will also have their strengths and challenges as well. <laughs> exactly. And it, it baffles me how that's been so lost. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, you're neurodivergent, meaning you have so many things we have to cater to. Like we need to help you with X, Y, Z. Well, hold up. Someone who's not may have the exact same things or not the exact things, but they also have strengths and struggles as well. But it's easier to accommodate for them because there's nothing behind it in a sense but it it does baffle sorry it does baffle me but one of the things I did want to mention and this is more so just a UK specific thing so sorry if anyone's not from the UK here in the UK dyslexia or any sort of ND condition is classed as a disability therefore legally if you have a diagnosis and you've disclosed it your employer has a requirement to make sure you're supported make sure that we've got those reasonable adjustments now I know there's a whole conversation about the wording of reasonable adjustments but it just makes my head make more sense so just know your workplace does have a legal requirement because I didn't know this so like every time I find out new information I always try to whenever I'm speaking again put it out there because these are little things that people don't know and if they don't know their needs are not being met or catered to now that's sometimes because even the employers don't know that sometimes they're doing they're being lazy but I would like to think most times they don't so it's not like they're doing it specifically for you like they're not trying to make you feel uncomfortable but they don't know um because I think you're right ND is a big buzzword but it's it's really sad because there's a lot of people who have ND that still aren't aware of what that looks like for them due to that late diagnosis or what support is actually out there for them and that's why, like you says, I'm still super happy you invited me because we can talk about them because I only found out by talking to other people. So it's like these are conversations you keep passing on, like until we can keep spreading it around, because 
annoyingly, some of the information about dyslexia is not accessible, which is so ironic. Some of the processes to get into the access to work is not accessible. So it's like, um, I need to do this to get more accessible things, but you itself is not accessible. So if, if we can at least talk about it, it's a starting point for people. Mm, absolutely and I think yeah as you said it's so important just to keep having the conversations because yeah it it's people are being disadvantaged and it's not okay and it's so horrible that it has to be on the people who are being affected by this to have to keep fighting but if you you know it's important to keep making the noise because otherwise things aren't going to change and as you said obviously allies as well anyone's listening (laughs) there's some amazing allies out there like I always hype my manager up and granted he doesn't listen to any of any of this he's this very separate person which I also really love and he has been so supportive in my journey of full-time employment like I started working nearly three years ago so we're still quite young in a it's a charity organization it's not corporate but it's still like an office like I'd never worked in an office before so not only did he help me as someone who's young he was so supportive of my dyslexia and always just asked questions if there's anything I could tell any manager or co-worker respectfully ask questions that's the easiest way you're going to learn something about anyone. And that's whether they're ND, whether they have a different disability, whether they're from a different country. If you could just respectfully ask a question, that will save so much miscommunication that happens. Because I've had so much before. And I'm like, if you had just asked, I could have told you. Like, my big example is I wear noise cancelling headphones in the office for a couple of reasons. I get distracted too easily. So they're a necessity but also I need to focus and they really help me tune into what I'm doing. And I have had a few people say, oh, don't you think it's a bit rude to wear your headphones? And I'm like, I can see why you think that, but this is why I do it. But sometimes it gets very frustrating because it's like, it's headphones. Like it's allowing me to work better. I do not see the problem. So conversations like this do need to happen just to shed a bit of awareness and a bit of light of okay if someone's wearing noise cancelling headphones it may not be that they don't like you just take a moment just to think about that it could be because actually that helps them work like I love taking them off and going to have a good chit chat by the kitchen table but I do know myself that I do need to put them on if I'm going to get through that email that's going to take me 10 minutes to type and think of and then look at it four times to still send it off with a spelling mistake. Like that is the story of my life when it comes to working. But there's different things out there like AI that are definitely helping me quicken up that process. Mm, That's good. Yeah, and I think that's just, yeah, such an excellent point to make of like, is this really harming you? Because it's actually really benefiting me. It's perspective, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. We always Uh, see how we want to see it, but is it even meant that way? Like, am I mad? Like, has that person really done anything wrong? No, I'm just looking into it like, oh, I would be offended if that was me. But that's not me. (laughs) The person fine. Leave them be. Exactly. I think there's always a way of like approaching something with curiosity, not judgment. It's always a good way of going about it. Because it's like you can inquire without making somebody feel bad (laughs) about it. Definitely. 
Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I think, I mean, I've kept you for a very long time now, although I'm absolutely loving talking to you, but I think it might be a good time to move on to my final question, um, which is something that I ask all of my guests. Uh, We're building quite a good bank of things now. (laughs) But my last question is, if you could change one thing to make the world a more neurodivergent friendly place for yourself and maybe others, what would that be? Now, this was what I was saying earlier. This is one of those questions that I absolutely love, but have no idea to answer because it's such an amazingly loaded question. And I don't know if mine's a bit of a cop out, but what I want is just people to have more of an understanding. Just I would love for people to be more open minded, because I think if people were more open minded, that would take away some of the pressures of being indie. And I don't know if it quite answers it, but for me, in my head, it's like, okay, if we had better understanding and compassion, we wouldn't be so judgmental. We wouldn't automatically just see people's negative flaws. And then we wouldn't start to build barriers up for those people. Because I find a lot of the barriers that have been put up for dyslexic people or ND people on a whole have been put up by those who are not from that community. So if we could just start being more open-minded, And like we've said, asking open, genuine, serious, I'm saying all the different words that come to my head now, it would just ask respectful questions. That's such an amazing starting point. And I do think it would really help. Like, I would have loved to have a bit more compassion growing up. Would it have changed a lot? Maybe not a lot, but just a little bit of more compassion honestly would have meant the world to me. And I can... I don't want to talk on behalf of everyone, but I feel like that's something, no matter what, would be really nice. And I think it would truly make our world just that little bit easier and nicer because we struggle. We have our struggles. We have our good days. We have our bad days. That's just human nature. But it'd be nice if people just take a step back and understand, well, you know what? I know she struggles a bit more with this. Like just that little bit of understanding goes a very long way. So if I could, it would be that but I absolutely love that question but I did look at it and I was like oh wow that is a great question good I'm glad I'm glad. I always like to slightly challenge people but I think that your answer was just beautiful I think that Thank that you. is a really solid one and I really couldn't agree more so yeah I think that's such a lovely note to end on as well so yeah thank you so so much for joining me today it was absolute pleasure having you on and I really can just see that you're just going to keep making waves and yeah making a huge difference to many communities especially just the the dyslexic community so thank you that's how you know our brains are this is I love (laughs) that this is just this like this is our brains I'm going to mumble. I'm going to stumble. It is 6.55. I'm going to say words completely wrong, but that is our life. And that is so fine. And I just want to say thank you for being such a comfortable person to talk to. I have truly enjoyed this. And you know what? I could probably speak for another hour. So I will let you wrap it up because I know what I'm like. But honestly, this is what's needed. It's really needed for people to just listen how we engage it's not difficult it's not difficult to have open and honest conversations yeah oh thank you so it's such a kind okay. thing for you to say and yeah I agree I could keep talking but I also know that we are definitely going to start powering down with the speech abilities so um 
Thank you so much. Um, and make sure you follow Zoe on all her socials um, and the details of which will be uh, found in the show notes. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow or subscribe. You can also find the show on Instagram at neurospicy.podcast.